All right, the 23rd Psalm is, uh, some linguists say, the greatest uh, writings ever in the English language. There, it has no, uh, nothing superior to it. And those are, these are linguists who are not Bible-believing people in any way. They just say there's nothing equal to the 23rd Psalm ever been written in the English language. Of course, English was at its zenith when uh, the translators in 1611 gave us the King James Bible. And um, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's so precious. There's not a, not a wasted word in it. Not that any word of God would be wasted. But no matter what linguists say, we know it's the word of God. And we need to study it. And I was thinking about seniors. And I would all, almost call this a psalm for seniors. I believe that David, who wrote it, was a senior when he wrote it. I don't think he could possibly uh, have the wisdom about the Lord that he's talking about. Uh, being a young man uh, and writing this. Uh, I believe this was written because of experience. Of course, it was written by the Holy Ghost through David. And we know the Holy Spirit is the author of every word in the Bible. Uh, But when I thought about seniors, uh, we need this psalm, uh, the 23rd Psalm. Grandparents, we need this. First responders need this psalm. And I was talking to Pastor Ben Shutt. He was preaching a sermon out at Countryside this morning. And he said, I don't know how to get a sermon that would help grandparents and first responders. What's the connection? So he preached on duty. I said, that's good. He says, yeah, first responders got to do their duty, whether they want to or not. And grandparents should do their duty also. I said, that's a great idea. But this is what I think the Lord gave me. Uh, for us this morning and this will help all of us of all ages we're just going to go through the 23rd psalm so if you find that in your bible i don't think you'll have to go anywhere else i may go to another verse or two as we go along but uh, this is a psalm for seniors today we're going to use it as a psalm for seniors but it's for everybody and because it is such majestic english language i want to encourage all of you to memorize the 23rd psalm uh, I want to encourage you parents, maybe you're here today and you're saying, boy, you know, we need to get more of the Bible in our home and maybe have devotions or memory work or something. I want to encourage you to start with your little boys and girls memorizing the 23rd Psalm. There's a lot of other Psalms you could memorize, Psalm 1, Psalm 100, but but make sure your children know this. Man, I was over at... Uh, Sam's uh, bedside of his grandpa when he was passing away here about a month ago or something. I started to quote the 23rd Psalm with Jerome. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He joined right in. Uh, Somewhere along the line, his generation all memorized the 23rd Psalm, and he said it word perfectly with me. I was up by the bedside of Gene Arnold Friday. Uh, she just had a cancerous tumor removed from her brain, and she's facing a long rehab for her mobility and memory and all that kind of stuff. And then if she gets well enough, they'll go on to chemotherapy and and uh, radiation. And uh, unless the Lord heals her, we could just pray for that. Amen. But she's 76 years old, and I, I began to quote the 23rd Psalm to her, The Lord is my shepherd. I and she joined right in as hard as it is for her right now to think and to keep thoughts, if you can imagine. And she quoted the entire 23rd Psalm with me by memory. Uh, 
And uh, that generation memorized the 23rd Psalm. And I want to encourage we need to get some Bible memory work in our homes. When my dad got saved, and uh, he started taking us to church, uh, me and my two older brothers, uh, we did memory work. It took us about 10 minutes to get to church. And we, we were, he, was, he gave us memory work. Uh, we memorized the Beatitudes. And we memorized the Ten Commandments. Uh, like Cindy memorized the Ten Commandments. Where's Cindy? she here? she downstairs? She's going to quote them Friday night at the youth rally. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. She's what, 12? No, 13 now? She will be 13. Amen? Uh, we memorized the 100th Psalm, the first Psalm, uh, the 23rd Psalm, and we'd have to quote it on the way to church. And uh, we'd quote other scriptures on the way back and the Roman road, things like that. And my dad just pushed memory verse, and I'm glad because it's so much harder now when you're 65 to try to, try to memorize verses. So you need to get your children. Every child on earth should know what the 23rd Psalm says. And uh, to memorize this, but even just for its linguistic, uh, amazingly uh, uh, English, but it's the Word of God. And so let's look at it today and uh, go through it before we have baptism. If you're uh, not saved today, the psalm starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's just go through it statement by statement. Look at the Word of God. Number one, the, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David's talking here about a personal relationship he has with the Lord. And of course, the Lord being Jehovah, uh, that's the Hebrew word. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. We don't know. It's the unutterable name is what the Jews call it. And uh, it's come to to be Jehovah in the English language, but we're not sure. But in your King James Bible, you notice there's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the over 6,000 times that Jehovah is in the Old Testament. It's always translated into all caps. When you get to New Testament, an angel said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And Jesus means Jehovah our salvation. Jesus has the name of Jehovah. He is the Lord. He is deity. He is God, as was brought up in Sunday school. Now, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He is the one that I know personally. He is the one that I am following. A shepherd is one that leads sheep. And we're called often in the scriptures, the sheep of his pasture. We are the Lord's sheep. We need to follow. So we're all following somebody. And that's why most people are lost and, and boy, some of the directions some people are going in, you're like, who's leading you that way? But uh, we're all following. We, we, we were made to follow, and the Lord is my shepherd. That word shepherd is sometimes translated into the uh, English word pastor. The Lord is my pastor, my overseer. The one who is my guide. When you get to the New Testament, Jesus would be called a thousand years later the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd meaning there's other shepherds, but he's the chief shepherd. There are other pastors uh, here, Pastor Seth, 
uh, is a pastor, Pastor Barron. I'm a pastor. That means we're shepherds. We're just trying to, to lead by example, by the teaching of the word of the Lord. But we're trying to work ourselves out of a job. Uh, the idea of being a pastor is to help new believers fo- uh, get to the point where they can follow the Lord and no longer need us. And uh, that's a, a, a possibility. Uh, that doesn't mean they shouldn't keep going to church and, and respecting a pastor for his office and everything. But what it means is, should I drop dead right now of a heart attack, you should be able to do fine in your walk with God. Because the Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. You know, except maybe some young ones. But I, I know there was a time when I was a, a newborn uh, believer in Christ. I was born again. And I leaned on my pastors and I hung on every word. I could not stand up myself. My, my knees, spiritual knees were too wobbly. And uh, I I didn't have the strength, but they fed me with the milk of the Word of God and the meat of the Word of God, and I got stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where for the last 39 years, I haven't had a pastor uh, except the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. And brethren, that's where all of us need to get eventually in our maturity and our walk with the Lord is not only be saved, not only say the Lord is my Savior, But get to where we say the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our Savior. That's when we meet Him and we're born again and we accept Christ as our Savior. He saves us from our sins. That's wonderful. But it doesn't end there. It starts there. And we are now to follow the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I remember being in Germany when I was in the army. And and outside of the Kasern where I worked, there was a German shepherd. And I don't mean a dog. I mean the guy was a German and he was a shepherd. All right, and and I would watch him almost every day. He take he take his his big this, this flock of sheep, and he had the crook and the hook and all, the whole thing. And then the next day he'd go here, and the next day he'd go over over there, and everything it was just it was fascinating to watch. And uh, those sheep knew his voice, and they wouldn't follow anyone else's voice. And Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I give unto them eternal life." And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice. And we we know the voice of Jesus Christ. And we know sometimes when maybe somebody's preaching or teaching or we run into somebody who's a member of a cult, we don't, that's not the voice we're following. It's like, nah, it's not right. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, verse 1, I shall not want. This is rich. That means that if you follow the Lord, not just know Him, but if you follow the Lord, you will never be in need. He will meet every need that we have. Not every greed, but He will meet every need. One of His titles is El Shaddai. It's a Hebrew title that God has that means the all-sufficient one, the all-satisfying one. And many of you can testify and, and thank the Lord for you young people who can't, but many of you can testify as adults about how many things you have tried in your life that have never satisfied. It's like you're living in the book of Ecclesiastes. 
You've tried it all and it doesn't satisfy. And like Solomon, you've come to the conclusion all is vanity and vexation of spirit. But then you meet Christ. Man, I've seen people give up everything for Christ and just walk away uh, from this, that, or the other. I've, I've talked to men sometimes. Aren't you going fishing? Aren't you going hunting? Aren't you? And there's nothing wrong with fishing or hunting. They say, eh, I just lost interest. Aren't you going golfing? Eh, I just lost interest in it. Why? Because they have Christ now. And the Lord is my, nothing wrong with golfing, but the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want, I shall be a satisfied man. I shall be a satisfied woman if I follow the Lord. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I want you to notice the serenity of that picture. And the serenity and the calmness he can bring to you that have had war in your soul all your life. You've had war mentally and emotionally that you've been fighting all of your life and all of a sudden you come to know the Lord and He begins to meet all of your needs. And one of the ways He does that is He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And there's just some sheep lying down in green pastures. They're just calm. Everything's serene, even the surroundings. Because Jesus is there. Green pastures, it's a, it's a wonderful thing that shepherds do. Shepherds do not take their sheep out into a drought. They don't take their sheep out into the desert. Uh, they don't take their sheep out into some desolate place. The shepherd is constantly looking at where his next pasture will be. I read a book about a guy who was a shepherd for like a quarter of a century before he became a pastor. He wrote on it, about it. And you take them to one place where there's grazing, and they, they graze, but eventually they get all the grass. And so you're always looking ahead. Well, now I've got to take them over here. And now I've got to take them over there. And then they're going to wear that out, and then I've got to take them over there. Have you ever noticed that, how the God leads you? And for a while, He teaches you about this. And then it's time to move on to a next lesson where you're going to be fed about this. And then you need to be fed about this subject over here. You need to be fed about this. And it's just a progression that you keep going through from field to field to field. And it's wonderful. You know, sheep are, are amazing that if a shepherd can get them into the right pasture at the right time, and they eat green grass with the dew still on it, there have been times where sheep have not needed a drink of water in six months. Because the dew from the grass satisfies their thirst and satisfies their hunger at the same time. Blessed are they, we would learn later in the Beatitudes, are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And the Lord leads us, and for the first time in our life, we, we are filled we are satisfied. Whereas nothing we ever learn, you can go to the greatest universities or colleges in the world, they will never satisfy you, no matter how much you pay for an education there. But if you'll follow the Lord, He'll lead you to... Now, if, if you're in a drought right now, you say, man, I'm thirsty and I'm hungry, and you need to get back to following the Lord because He's not over there. 
He's in the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Still waters are deep. All right? Uh, Lake Erie is not deep. Lake Erie is a shallow lake. It's only a few hundred feet deep. It's not deep. I don't know why anybody would own a boat here in western New York. Well, I want to take it out on Lake Erie. For what? (laughs) You want to get killed? It's only like 10 good days a year. I'm not trying to offend you boat owners, but... But man, it's, you can hardly ever get out on the lake there. There's a little wind and, and, and Lake Erie becomes choppy. Just becomes choppy. But you go out to Crater Lake in Oregon. My wife and I have been to Crater Lake in Oregon and that thing is, is like a mirror every day, all year long. Uh, but it's 1,900 feet deep. And uh, it is so deep that the top is never disturbed. Never disturbed. And he leadeth us beside the still waters. He wants to take us to the waters that are never disturbed. That's precious. Don't be afraid of the deeper things of God. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. When you and I follow the Lord and he leads us uh, beside the still waters, the deep waters, the Holy Spirit. That's a picture, I believe, of the Holy Spirit teaching us the deeper things of God. And when you learn about the deeper things of God and you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into the things of God, you won't be disturbed. God will give you a calm life. doesn't matter what the socialists are doing or the Marxists or the Republicans or the Democrats or the... Yeah, news media, you're not going to be disturbed. You're just going to say, oh, that was all written. I read it in the deeper things of God. Uh, and, you know, famines and earthquakes and all this other kind of stuff, wars, rumors and wars, you're not going to be disturbed. You say, I read that all in the Word of God. I knew that was coming. It's a wonderful thing to get deep into the Word of God and just, just, just to get in it every day and say, God, what else can you teach me? And to learn about the Holy Spirit-filled life and the, the abiding life where you abide in the vine and uh, Jesus Christ and, and, and you just go deeper and deeper and deeper. He leadeth me when, 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 when we're following Him, when He is our shepherd, He leadeth me to the still waters, not shallow waters. The still waters, the deep things. Don't, don't be afraid of learning the deep things of God. And who's the teacher? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit leads us about the deeper things of God. Man, you can, it never ends. No one's ever come close in one short little lifetime of understanding the deeper things of God. Never. The greatest Bible students, theologians, they've never come close. You can learn things about the Lord all of your life. And at the end of your life, you're going to think, man, I just got started. I just got started. But it's so wonderful to have some calmness when everybody else is cracking up. Everybody else is running to some alcohol or to some drugs or, or something to just, just, just get them to exist another day. And the Lord, you, you just have some deep things and just say, I'm going to bed. 
He restoreth my soul. Verse 3. These are all a progression, you may have noticed. The Lord is my shepherd. As I follow Him, I shall not want. He's going to just keep feeding me, just, just packing me spiritually to the gills, the green grass, deep waters, and as a result, He restoreth my soul. You know, by the time some people come to Christ, they're human train wrecks. Maybe not you. Maybe you came to Christ young and you grew up in a Christian home. God bless you. You are blessed. But there's other people who are emotionally ruined, physically ruined, mentally ruined. I, I mean, they're just, they're just a, a basket case. Um, a, a terrible train wreck. But God can restore them and put them back together again. I kind of like those shows. Uh, you see them on YouTube or something. They're like where they uh, flip a house. They flip a car. I like those classic cars when they uh, when they uh, take some. They find some rust bucket in a barn. It's been there for 25 years and <laughs> don't even know if it'll ever run again. It's all rusty and. They take it and they strip every nut and bolt off the thing, take the engine out and the transmission to get it down to the frame, and then they just sandblast that thing and cover it with zinc chromate and reprime it. And, and uh, boy, they start putting anything. They send all the panels out and have them all sandblasted and primed and painted and everything. They get that thing together, and at the end of the show, you're like, wow. What's that called? A, a restoration What's that called when they flip a house? You ever see them flip those houses? Leslie and I did that. <laughs> it took us about 35 years. Still not done. We didn't even have a foundation on the thing when we bought it. We were walking around it one day. My wife and I, first time we ever walked around it, and the, the window opened in the house next door. And the guy says, uh, calls out and says, you're not thinking about living in there all year long, are you? First thing he ever said to us. Amen. Uh, yeah. No foundation. Without pillars had a whole colony of skunks underneath the house. That was interesting those days. My, my dear wife. Hope she's not listening, but she just followed me and done some crazy things. We put a foundation under it. It's a nice house now. And uh, we're very thankful. A lot of love was there, and we've had some good times. Amen. We restored the house. Rebuilt it. God can rebuild you. He can rebuild you emotionally, mentally, even help you physically. Sometimes when people really get with God's program, their physical health begins to improve. Mental health, spiritual uh, he, he can sanctify, the Bible says, your whole spirit and soul and body. First Thessalonians, I mean, that's your whole being. He can sanctify that. And he restores us. And he makes all things beautiful in his time. Boy, it's amazing. Some of the most beautiful Christians you ever meet, you, 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 would, you wouldn't believe what they once were when the Lord saved them. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse number three. You know, God ought to get something out of us. 
We ought to be a good testimony for his name's sake. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. There are paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We need to protect the name of God. We need to protect the name of Jesus Christ and be a good testimony every day, all, all the day, day long. If your neighbor irritates you, just say, I've got to be a good testimony for his name's sake. And the righteous thing to do would be to love my neighbor, forgive my neighbor, whatever the, the situation might be. The Lord has given us rules. He has given us commandments. These commandments are not fences. They are guardrails. There's a difference. Some people think of God's rules as a fence. Oh, he just got this rule up so I can't get to the other side and enjoy that pasture. No, there is no other side. It's a gorge. I saw a cartoon this week. Somebody drew, drew a cartoon and it showed this, what looked like a fence and it says God's commandments. Those words were on the fence, God's commandments. And this guy is running up to the fence to jump over and he says, I'm sick of God telling me what to do. Something like that. I'm sick of God telling me what to do. Uh, I'm going over on the other side. I'm going to enjoy myself. And there's another guy warning him saying, no, 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 it's not a fence. It's a guardrail. He doesn't care. And the last frame shows him falling down a, a steep cliff. It's like if you're on the uh, Skyway going into Buffalo and see somebody about running. I'm, I'm sick of this fence holding me in here. I'm, I'm going to uh, jump over the fence and enjoy the other side. And someone says, that's not a fence, that's a guardrail. I don't care. And he jumps over. There is no other side. He just plummets to his death. And that's how God's law is. That's how God's righteousness is. God's righteousness is keeping us from destroying ourselves. It's not keeping us fenced in like prisoners, but it's a guardrail to keep us from destroying ourselves because when we jump over God's commands and say, I'm going to do it my way, boy, the, the results are devastating. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I was trying to witness to a couple last week, married couple, and, you know, it started talking to them like I do. And, you know, where, where, did you ever go to anywhere, go to church growing up? Yeah, we were Catholics. And, uh, and uh, I, I usually just try to use that to intru- introduce. And, and then I got, you know, to, to uh, my testimony and sharing the gospel with them. And you'd like to accept Christ. And they said, yeah, you know something, there's just so many hypocrites. There's just so many hypocrites. That's an obstacle. That's why he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So that we won't be the hypocrite that keeps somebody from coming to Christ. And I couldn't get them to quit looking at the hypocrites and look at Christ. He's perfect. And you and I, we can't be hypocrites. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there will be times in our lives when we may have to walk through the valley of the shadows of death, but especially when we're senior citizens, it's actually coming, literally. But notice the scriptures are clear. We walk through it. Death does not stop us. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. I always tell people death is like getting your wisdom teeth pulled. You only have to do it once. Nobody likes having their wisdom teeth pulled, but... You only have to do it once. You never have to do it again. 
You know, Jesus said over in Luke chapter 20 that those that are counted worthy uh, of, of the resurrection, that's those that are saved. Luke chapter 20, verse 36, he says, neither can they die anymore. It is absolutely impossible to die again. It's like getting your wisdom teeth pulled. You get them pulled once, you never have to get them pulled again. You say, I never have to fear that again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, verse 4, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Fearless. What a quality life. No irrational fears, no paranoia. There's a lot of fears today, and they are the enemies of progress. They're walls that we can't get over or around if we have fears. But as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, by the way, a shadow never hurt anybody. But because of that, I will fear no evil. We don't have to have irrational fears. Now, it's okay to have rational fears. I mean, you don't want to stand in front of a semi-truck and say, stop. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Stop. Or a CSX train comes 60 miles an hour. You don't want to stand out there and say, stop. I don't fear anything. No, you're, that's just foolish. Or stand on the, you know, the edge of the Grand Canyon with your toes you know, over the edge. That's, that's just uh, addressed by Solomon. Be not over much foolish. Why shouldst thou destroy thyself? Yeah. I don't want to be foolish. But I will fear no evil. Can you imagine that? I, there's stuff coming down. I mentioned, I think it was last week or something, that things are going to get worse. People are going to get worse, not because I'm negative, but that's because what the Bible says. But I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Why? Look at the next one, verse 4. I've got to scurry here. For thou art with me. Why will I fear no evil? For thou art with me. Senior citizen friend, God doesn't desert us in our senior years. He will be our guide unto, even unto death. He'll never leave us or forsake us. I've said, uh, I said the other day to Gene, Gene, i got to go, but the Lord's still here. He's going to stand by you. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He'll never fail us. Amen. I've said that to a lot, to a lot of senior citizens over the years, and now I am one. <laughs> I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. See that personal pronoun? Thou art with me. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod and staff do two things. The shepherd has a rod and staff to beat off lions, beat off bears, beat off other predators that are trying to eat the lambs and eat the sheep. But it also has a hook on it to yank them back into line if they get out of line. God does two things. It's comforting. Listen, I remember being backslidden, and I remember five specific times when God severely chastened me to get me back in line. And there are some shepherds that will literally break the leg of a lamb who's wandering so that the lamb will become immobile, so he will have to carry it for a while until it gets better. I don't even know how that works. But his rod and staff, they comfort me. When you see the shepherd uh, 
You know, and in fact, I'd suggest if any of you go hiking or something in a woods or something, always take a big stick with you. You don't know what you're going to confront in these woods nowadays. Animals and stuff. But it's comforting to see the shepherd who's leading me has a rod. And I know, boy, if somebody tries to get at me, he's going to take that rod and he's going to deal severely with the enemy. And you know, in a country, when, they, when a country dispels God out of their country, that country fills with evil spirits. You say, what's happening to America? We dispelled God a long time ago. He's out of our families. He's out of our churches. He's out of our schools and universities and colleges. He's out of our government. We told God about 60 years ago, take a hike. We will do fine. We'll just do fine without you. But that doesn't leave a vacuum. That leaves an opening for evil spirits to come in and possess a country. Evil spirits are described four ways. Deaf, dumb, unclean, and foul. Do you ever see such human beings as what you're seeing with your eyes nowadays? You say, what has gotten into that person? Well, the Bible tells us. More on that tonight. But thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And God can protect us from evil, and God can protect us from ourselves by putting that hook around our neck and saying, you ain't going to wander anymore. He's got ways to put us back in line. And that comforts us. I want to walk in the ways of the Lord. That's the best way to walk. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Verse 5. Listen, God's blessings upon his children are not done in secret. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. God says, you pray in secret, I'll reward you openly. You give alms in secret, I'll reward you openly. You fast in secret, I'll reward you openly. God's blessings are on his children are not done in secret. Everyone sees, boy, God has blessed him. God has blessed her. God makes sure that they see the blessings of God on you and right in front of your enemies. It's a testimony. They may even deny the God you believe in, but they see the goodness of God on your life. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's the Holy Spirit. It's always a picture of the Holy Ghost. Usually they anointed prophets, priests, and kings. Well, that's what all of us are in the New Testament Christianity. We're all to be prophets, priests, and kings. And he anoints us with fresh oil, Psalm 92, verse 11. That means we can be anointed over and over and over and over again. This, this never has to get old. Though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Can be, Christianity is the only thing that can be new every day. Every day. He anoints our head with oil. He wants to give you a fresh filling and, and have the Holy Spirit come upon you. My cup runneth over. This is a picture of the blessed life. He doesn't give you ever watch these old Western movies where they're going through the desert trying to find two, one or two drops of water somewhere? That's not God. He didn't give us a tin cup and here, let me give a dink, dink. Here's two drops. Here, have a drink. No, our cups are running over. Okay, Lord, you can stop. No, it's full now. It just keeps pouring over. My cup, isn't he good to us? 
Amen. He loadeth us daily with benefits and blessings. There's a difference between the two. Study them out. Surely goodness and mercy, verse 6, shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, it's no fun being followed unless it's by these guys. You know, you ever have someone follow you? What are they up to? What are they thinking? Especially in your car. You know, I came out of countryside one time, and and I I make the left on north, and a car comes behind me, makes the left on north. All the way down to Versailles, I make the right. It makes the right. Cross the bridge. Another left on Versailles. I get up to 438. I make the left. It makes the left. Keeps following me. Make the right on Brant and uh, uh, Reservation Road. Follows me all the way through Brant. And I'm really flooring it. You know, I'm I'm saying, I'm going to pull away from this. (laughs) And so I get up to Route 20, and then the light catches. The slowest light in the world is right there at 20 and Brant Res. Pull up right behind me. I go into the village. I say, well, I'm going to go into the village, and then I go to the train tracks. I can make the quick left on commercial to get to my house or Lake Street, either one. So I said, I'm going to make a quick one on commercial and get away from it. They make the commercial. Make the right up on Oatman. It comes up right. And it's just left on Grove, and I'm at home. And I turn in my driveway, and they finally just go by me. I mean, all the way from Perrysburg. Somebody's following you, and you're like getting paranoid. You're like, what in the world? I don't have a, don't, not carrying or nothing. What's this person want? But these guys, can you imagine all of your life by the end saying, I have been followed all my life by the goodness of God and the mercy of God. And every time I've said, God, I blew it, I've sinned, would you have mercy on me and forgive me? It's there. And he has mercy on us. And he's good to us even when we're not good to him. And we get to end of our life And God's been good all the time, as we say. And every time I've sinned and said, I'm sorry, Lord. God, why don't you just give up on me? God says, no, why don't I just forgive you and let's go on and try again tomorrow. Isn't that precious? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a way to end. If you can say the Lord is my shepherd, you can say I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's salvation. Are you saved? Do you know for sure? If you died today, you'd go to be with the Lord. That you'd be in heaven. I will dwell. Can you say that? I've always used this psalm as a witnessing tool to senior citizens because they haven't memorized. But when I get to the end, I'll ask them that question. Do you know that for sure? Can you say that for sure? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to sing a song here. And uh, if you do not know that for sure, somebody would be glad to talk to you just for a few minutes out of the Bible, show you God's unchangeable promises, that he will give you eternal life if you'll simply believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and receive him as your savior. That can be your declaration. David wasn't proud. He just had the assurance, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can say that too. Not because of anything I've done, but because what Jesus did for me when He died on the cross for my sins. was buried and He rose again. I put my faith in Him. He gave me eternal life. I'm going to have Pastor Seth come. Let's turn to page uh, 826. 
And then if I'm not out by then, maybe you can find He Leadeth Me. That, I think He Leadeth Me is a great song to go with Psalm uh, 23. In fact, why don't we do that one first? What is that? 560, 530? Page 580. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. Let's sing 580 first. And those that are going to get baptized can be dismissed at this time. And uh, let's just pray as they go out. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the 23rd Psalm. What a, there's no way I did any injustice to this Psalm. Uh, Lord, God, help us to memorize it. Start there and just rejoice in the Lord. Bless the invitation time now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.